Welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5C.consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. All right, welcome everybody to the Adaptive Executive. Today we have um, a lovely guest, Gracie Murphy, um, and I'm going to share with you a little bit about her, and she's going to introduce herself as well. Gracie is a native of Brazil and moved here after winning a beauty pageant award at the age of 23, landed in, in Atlanta with no English, and has become a huge success. So today, she is the founder and board member of Advanced Care Partners, which is the winner of the Inc. 5000 for the past six years and will be again in, in this year, 2022. So seven years of winning the Inc. 5000. She's also won the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Uh, Gracie, welcome to the Adaptive Executive. We're so glad to have you here today. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure. So what I wanted to talk to you about um, there's so many things I want to dive into. And as from an adaptive executive, I'd love to talk about some of those first few months or first few years here in the U.S. with no English, young woman in Atlanta. And tell me about the work you were doing and how did you adapt to the new culture and the new climate? Yes, it was very interesting times, um, but also fascinated when I when I look back and see all the lessons learned that I had. Was I always tell my friends, it's, it's better to do when you're young, and you don't measure risk properly because then you do things and you do things differently. So I got here, I moved directly into Atlanta. That is where the headquarters of the bank, uh, Global Money Remittance, uh, was located. And uh, I did not know even how to say hi and bye in English. So, but I knew where I want to go. I had a very clear path. I knew that this was the country of opportunities. And I always believed that if you do the right thing and don't take shortcuts and you work hard with a great mission in your heart, you'll get there. So obviously, mm-hmm. like leaders are never uncertain. They are unclear because they know where they want to get. Just they, sometimes the, they don't know how. So I it just got here. And um, I, I remember I, I used to, um, to leave uh, my shift about six o'clock at night. And I would go to 24-7 Walgreens. And I would read labels to learn English with my electronic translator pen. Because back then in 2003, we didn't have all the resources and I didn't have time or even all the money to go into a night um, uh, English course. So you got to do what you got to do. So I merged myself into the culture and I was very meticulous or where I wanted to go and who did I want to spend time with. Mm-hmm. I tried not to get into the Brazilian community, even though it was comfortable and uh, and easy, I tried to merge myself into the, the American culture so I could learn English and as well as the culture itself. That's fantastic. So I'm curious, is there a particular story that you might be willing to share with us from that first kind of showing up into America that might help 
us can kind of get a context around what you were challenging with. I understand you were getting things translated with a pen, oh, right? Yeah. You're translating with but maybe is there is there an, another story you have that can really capture some of the uh, adaptive right. qualities that you had to show? Yeah, learning English, especially with my accent. I'm from the south of Brazil where Italians and Germans went to. So our even Portuguese is stressed at T a lot. So mm -hmm. for me to roll my R's and then it's it's very hard for me, even those days, like to say world, world, <laughs> scroll. <laughs> I can't do it. But I, I had some funny stories. I used to say that that I lived in a, a small condom <laughs> in, in, in Delmore versus condo. One day I um I got up in a board meeting and I, I excused myself because I want to hit the head. Somebody had told me hit the head was going to the bathroom, but I didn't put together that that was not a term that we had said. That is a that's a navy term yes. for gentlemen. Yes, yes. Gentlemen, I gotta hit the hat. And just like, what? <laughs> His story goes on and on and on. I can sit down with you for the full dinner and just tell all the embarrassment. But you know, it's one one thing that I learned with time after you you get a little bit more confident on the language in the in the country is. The more, the more vulnerable you show yourself to people, the more you connect and with them. And I think this is one of the biggest gifts for leaders is connecting to people in different levels. So every time I even tell these stories that I embarrassed myself, this is actually a time where they can see through what I had to go through because they never been. So it's, it's hard for them even to imagine, but through those moments of vulnerability, um, you know, you can, you're able to show who you are. I love it. I love it. So I want to transition. So first of all, thank you for sharing about your background and some of your first time experiences here in the States. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about Advanced Care Partners. Tell us what that company is, why you founded it, and what it's grown into today. Right. So it was 2010. I was pregnant with my first son and I had just finished taking one of the retail companies that I was working with through bankruptcy. So that project had um, finished and I was really into really exercising my entrepreneurial soul into something that was very mission driven. My husband uh, had the opportunity to work with a company that did home health care services in Texas. And he came home one day and said, I think you're going to love this. Uh, it's very mission driven. And, uh, and you have a medical background as well as finance. So let's go and take a look. So the CEO opened the door and ACP, Advanced Care Partners, is a home health care company that provides nursing care for medically fragile children, primarily. So these children are, are very protected by the government. They're covered by Medicaid. So if you are, like if you have a child or, or if, if your child is born with certain level of medical necessity, there is a federal law that says the state must take care of that child independently if you have a high income or not. So Medicaid takes over and pays 
advanced care partners, my company, to really make sure that that child has a decent and a great quality of life. And, and uh, mm. sometimes these children, you know, they, they, they can stay under our care for the entire life. So it's, it's very mission driven. A lot of our parents are unprivileged and, uh, and they live in conditions that, you know, it's, it's unheard. I have heard so many stories, but, but also just knowing that sometimes our nurses are the only hope that these kids have throughout the day to get better is to mm-hmm. me is what pays off, you know, the, 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 the challenges that the business bring. Wow. That is one. I did not know that. And that is really cool that you've built a business to serve um, children that have such need like that. Yes. So tell us, so you've, you've been on the Inc 5,000 for six going on seven years. So what has the growth rate been like and what's the size of your, of that company now, your company, and how, how many employees do you have? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we have been in business for, it's going to be our 11th year. Uh, we have about 1,200 employees. Uh, we are in Texas, Georgia, and uh, Florida, and uh, we are expanding through acquisitions, uh, primarily acquisitions in the same niche. We're, we're not adding other services, but Private duty nursing, that's what we call, and PPACs, which are specialized clinics. And uh, the growth rate has been between 40 to 65% year over year. There is a huge need, especially now during COVID with the kids not being able to exercise and and live almost a normal life is is the quality of of care has, has you know, decrease because we're not not able to access some of the families as well as the nurses that are in rural areas. Yeah. So I'm kind of, what I'd like to do now is like, look at for like the last couple of years with COVID as a, as an executive, as a, a professional, what are some of the things that you've done to remain adaptive and to stay ahead of the market and ahead of the curve? A lot of training. Uh, we had to go virtual almost overnight. So I had to continue to hire and onboard the new nurses. So we deployed completely onboard online. Then we had to deploy basically troops to see if uh, if our patients are being served correctly at the level of care that we, we put as a standard. And we actually took the training to the homes. So instead of the nurses coming to the, the office to receive tracking van training. We were taking all the, the equipment to the homes and making small hubs around the cities to ensure that they, they continue to, to scale, to, to, to thrive with what they're doing. Also a lot of communication. I think when you when you're going through a pandemic, you know, the, the is is the perception of the risk. It's much more, you know, hard to control than the the, the true risk. So understanding that we have a full clinical uh, compliance committee that would be deploying these this, this trainings on PPE, infection control, to ensure that the nurses know that they were here for, but also that we care and we are on top of the regulations and, and the guidelines. In pumped health insurance, we doubled our benefits since uh, the mm. pandemic. So we 
We're offering health health insurance to basically every almost every employee that's full time at ten dollars, uh, you know, per month versus you know before. So we had to really take care of the nurses so they can take care of our patients. That's fantastic. So uh, you sent you mentioned something really interesting there, is the managing the perception of risk right. versus the actual risk, and I think we can all relate to that a little bit. Absolutely. So the other thing I wanted to, um, there's a couple directions I want to go, but I had noticed because we did a little bit of uh, reviewing some of your social media profiles, and I noticed you shared a particular tip on, you know, be moving from a strategic leader, which we I think we all think is going to be very valuable, right? Understanding strategy, being able to execute strategy, choosing a good strategy, but but really moving from that being the focus to more of a visionary leader. And I was wondering if you might take a moment to talk about that for us. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, being a founder, it's uh, every time you talk to an entrepreneur that has founded a company and has been his or her first time company, you know, every step of the growth requires a different set of skills from your leadership or from yourself that you must be aware that you need those new skills, but also you needed to invest in yourself to stay ahead of the growth of your business and moving from a tactical leader to, you know, to be a strategic leader to then to be a visionary, to create the vision and be able to inspire and motivate other leaders to follow that. It's very different. You have to bite your tongue so many times because you know the answers to many problems that are coming in front of you. Like I sit on board meetings and I'm just like pulling my hair off. Don't you see there is something under that rock? Let's look at it. Let's peel that and really motivate and, and grow your leadership to understand how to be delegates, right? How to build people that can think like you. But when it comes to the vision, you know, I always say that, you know, the the job of being a CEO is looking to the future and address the future. The, the job of a president is living the present in 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 and address the present. So a CEO and a visionary is bringing people into the new vision and understands that you have two sets of people, ones that you have to align with the vision and the ones that have to perform or execute the vision. So you have to get the buy-ins from your stakeholders, but you also want to have your team to be able to, uh, to execute the vision. So it's uh it's interesting, but um it's it's uh each phase has its own beauty and uh and it's just awareness that you needed to provide and create those different skills is very important. Yeah, and as I think about it, it makes a lot of sense because you really need to start with the vision, right? And we might define vision as the the future picture, you know, right. the reality we want and 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 you and it's something that uh, when done well, there's going to have an emotional connection and people are going to really resonate with that future picture and say, I want to go there, right? Vision yeah. casting is about moving people from here to there. And then you have to ask yourself, so once you have the vision, then it's like, well, what's the best strategy to get there? 
And so strategy really does serve vision is, is where I'm coming, what I, what I think you're yeah. trying to say. And so I'm curious, how have, how have you and how has your team, um, you know, not even, no, let me rephrase that. What are some maybe concrete things that you have done with your team and your organization so that they can remain adaptable throughout this change in the market? I know that you said you've moved everything virtual, but what are some, maybe some other things that our listeners might benefit from when they're thinking of their organizations and how they need to remain adaptive? So, so, so a little bit about the, the, the vision piece, just back on what you just said, that everything starts with the vision and then the strategy. One thing that I have learned that um, is very beneficial is you can't start or create a vision without defining reality, what is the current state. So people normally, they, they look at the future, but they don't understand where they are, so they don't know the gap, if it's even doable, right? So the first thing I ask my leaders, like if we're going to update the vision, where are we? What's the, 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 the current reality? Now let's walk into the future and let's stand in there for a little bit and figure it out how that feels and then do the what's, right? The strategy. But one thing that I, I think that the listeners can, can, can learn a little bit is when I sold 65% of the company to a private equity, the first thing uh, we sat down to talk about is where we're going as a partner. And at that point, I said, let's sit down the private equity firm and my leadership team now as one family, as one partnership, and let's together create the vision. Because I want to be able to hold you accountable for things that you need to do in order to equip me to perform to get there. So mm -hmm. when, when there is a partnership such as a merger or an acquisition, it's very important for you to sit down and basically align of what you both want and agree on who does what and when and how do we measure that things have been done correctly. Uh, as opposed to just have a private equity coming in, here's your new goals, execute. I don't care how, just get there. No, let's, as a partnership, let's figure it out together how is the best way to get there. During COVID, we, when the first pandemic hit, we sat down as a leadership team and we started measuring the risk first because we didn't know what we didn't know, but at least we knew what we could control. And uh, from what we could control, make sure that that's executed in the uncontrollables. And then we try to put measurements in place to avoid things from derail. Okay. Wow. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Let me pick on, let me poke on another quick question for you. When you think of, think of your lieutenants, right? The, the folks, the, the people you've put around you, what are some things that you've done with them to help that set them up to be successful in this being adaptive in this constantly changing market and technology space? Empower them to not know the answers and not care about knowing the right answers, but empower them to having the right questions. The strategy is built on right questions. And 
And I can't emphasize how important that is because people are normally afraid to not know the answer. I don't care. The answer will figure it out. But what the, what's the question to begin with? And if you understand that you create an environment that's free of repercussions, is free of judgment because you don't care for who has the right answer. So that's one thing. The other one is, is really accountability starts with clear agreements. And uh, I cannot just tell someone to do something without <laughs> having a clear agreement that that person understands what needs to be done and he or she is up to the task, right? So Yes. Oh, gosh. Gracie, I, I have to, I'm, you could see on the camera, I'm applauding you. For our <laughs> listeners, that's audio. I am literally applauding. Gracie, we teach, we teach agreements over expectations. Mm -hmm. We teach own the own the problem, not the solution. And so those are two concepts that you just touched on that I think we really, really want to like underscore. As a senior executive, when you have competent leaders under you, competent leaders that have other people around them, you know, what Gracie was just saying is don't help, don't, don't give them the challenge to solve the problem. Give them the challenge to own the problem and let their team solve it. Gracie, I think that's what you're saying there. Yeah. And if you are to bring me a problem, do not come up with a problem without having thought through some solutions. <laughs> that, there, there you go. Yes. Right? Come back with alternative solutions. Yeah. And then we'll vet if that is the right one or not. But I, I coach a lot of uh, CEOs and, and other entrepreneurs. And one of the first questions they always ask me, how do I get to hold my people accountable? Number one, you don't get anybody to do anything because you're not a parent right here. <laughs> you sit down with them and explain what needs to be accomplished and understands that they are up to it and they are free to say no. But once they commit to that, then you, you're able to hold them accountable. But is accountability such an important thing today? Because as you know, COVID moved everybody remotely. We had zero systems in place to manage the people at home, neither like to even understand what the KPIs would be to measure uh, you know, quality and the scalability. So we had to learn this overnight. But the first thing I knew was, all right, here is how we're going to hold ourselves accountable to it and make sure that there are metrics that everybody understands in the system that provides, equip them to, to, you know, to support that. I love it. I love it. Well, Gracie, a couple, for, a couple of other questions before we wrap up our conversation today. So first of all, thank you for sharing everything about your background and your company. And we, you talked earlier that you have transitioned out of the CEO role and you are now on the board of your company. And I'm curious, do you have any thoughts or plans of what's next? What's the vision for Gracie Murphy? Wow, I'm invested in so many great projects. Um, some of them I cannot disclose yet, but... I am definitely investing in other entrepreneurs and startups and helping them to take an idea into a product or a business. Um, I am getting on the board of a public company uh, as well as uh, starting to work with SPACs, Special Purpose Acquisition Corporations. 
which is pretty interesting. I love that segment and uh, and how things flow. It really understands that a great spec and with a with a talent team can really bring you know a lot of a value and resources to the merge company, and in um, just having fun. You know, I worked very hard for the last 12 years i you know running a healthcare company scaling is very very different and and it takes a lot of energy and you have to sacrifice a ton i you know i had two kids uh you know i was pregnant with the first one when i started acp and then i had my second so my kids they all knew was mom that worked 80 hours per week because you know i I had it to oversee everything, but now I'm, you know, having fun with them and get them to know me a little bit more. <laughs> That's <laughs> because great. Because I am, I'm able to be more present, and I just love it. The world is very, very exciting out there. There's a ton of amazing entrepreneurs that have a vision. They have amazing missions that I want to be part of, and uh, so I'm here to support and invest in them. I love it. So I have one more question and I want to, oh, two, two part question. Um, one, do you have anything else you want to share with our listeners? And then two, is the American dream still alive? The American dream is definitely alive. Uh, I think it has never been more alive. Uh, or now I'm, a, I'm aware because I'm able to look around. I would say the one thing that I would like to share that ties back to the American dream is many leaders um, get so focused on a day-to-day that don't take time to think or don't take time even to develop themselves. I would motivate them to lock a, a, a time every day to do, you know, to think and to develop and create a path to get better. Because by doing that, you open the horizons to see opportunities. You know, opportunities are here. Are you able to see them or not is the question. So when you're able to step outside of the organization and look from above down and be the visionary, then is where you create value. Then is where the, nobody else can, can, can get to that because the vision is what drives the the, the business and your job mm-hmm. as the leader is to make sure that that vision continues to be refined as the world changes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Greasy, thank you so much for joining us. If our listeners want to learn more about you, where can they go? Where should they go to learn more about you? Yes, they can go to my website is Gracie Murphy, but Gracie is spelled G-R-E-I-C-E uh, Murphy.com uh, or they can hit them hit me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Gracie Murphy. Fantastic. That's Gracie Murphy, G-R-E-I-S-E-M-U-R-P-H-Y. G-R-E-I-C-E. Yes, I-C-E. And we'll put that in the show notes so everybody has it. Gracie, thank you so much for joining us and have a wonderful afternoon. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard and thank you for listening.